Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hello there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on this show, we basically talk about how complicated healthcare is and how we can, you know, bring on women experts to share their expertise with our audience and each other. So thank you both for joining me today. Can you please introduce yourself? I'll start with you, Cynthia. Hi, I'm Cynthia Church. I'm the Chief Strategy Officer of Zelf, which is a digital health implementation and integration platform helping healthcare providers get digital solutions into the hands of patients. And I'm Christine Slocum. I'm the president of Clarity Quest Marketing. We are a marketing agency that functions at the intersection of health tech, biotech, and med device. Okay, so it sounds like we're going to talk about health technology and tech and marketing and how they play together. Let's talk about it. Like, let's go, Cynthia. What role does technology and marketing play in improving patient and provider communications? That's a big one to start with. I think it historically, the world has moved from a paper-based world to an electronic world. And there's the, the standard story that you go to the doctor and they give you a clipboard and a piece of paper and a, something that's been photocopied a million times. And healthcare seems to be slower to migrate over to digitizing the communication, but is now starting to take advantage of that. So you do have things like patient portals and you have email communication and you have the digitization of a lot of the patient education information and it's just the beginning. So you're seeing more and more you know, emailable videos and and documents and downloadable apps and programs and things that have been commonplace in other industries, but are just starting to take off in healthcare. So it's going to be interesting to see how the impact of the of this of new technology that's not new to the rest of the world, but it seems to be new to healthcare. What's this? What will this look like in the next five to ten years? Will there be an impact? Is it worth waiting for? How is how's this going to change patient engagement and outcomes ultimately? And we've had a conversation with Zelf before. You guys have a very sophisticated platform. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about like the technology that exists? Because I feel like what I do know about it is that it's just like very robust and precise in communicating with patients and making sure that they have the information that they need wherever they are on their journey. Is that accurate? That is that is accurate. I think to, to start a little bit about what Zelf is, it was founded by people who had backgrounds in technology, not necessarily healthcare. And they looked at where healthcare communication broke down and realized that 
Patients have all this information in their cell phone about everything from shopping to travel and Facebook and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. And doctors live in the EHR while they have all the information about demographics and diagnosis and, and problems lists and claims and all of these things. But nowhere was there a connection between the EHR and the consumer technology. So he said, well, to get things ad adopted by patients who are consumers when they're not being patients, why don't we get them the information where they want it, which is their cell phone, which is smartphone, which, you know, desktop, laptop, et cetera. But to get it there, it needs to come out of the EHR because that's where clinicians live. So let's bridge the gap and let's put like a catalog of digital assets chosen by the health system in a digital care workflow inside the EHR. Let's make it easy to distribute it to the health, to the patients, like sending an email. Like it doesn't have to be complicated. Just send an email from the doctor that's relevant to the patient at the time of their visit about whatever's going on with them. And then you're going to drive engagement, you know, 60, 70, 80% because it's in context, relevant to the patient from the doctor and easy for the clinicians to be able to be able to send. One of the things I think about from a marketing lens is storytelling. And so like, how do we tell a story from data that's within an EHR and make it make sense to somebody who doesn't speak that language? That's for either of you. I'll take it first, Cynthia, and then... I think you do have to tell it within a story so folks can remember. I can speak a lot, not as a marketing agency president, but the wife of a physician. Okay. Because I hear the stories <laughs> where the disconnects happen. And as Cynthia said, there's, you know, post-surgical instructions in the EHR, but then the, the patient is given a piece of paper. And a piece of paper isn't a story or isn't even visual. And most people are visual learners, visual rememberers, right? So how can we turn those assets and communicate with the patient into more of a Disney story in a way, right? Without minimizing it in a way that they can remember to do things. Because so much noncompliance happens because it's just a sheet of paper. So how do we do that? It's not like an easy answer. And I'm sure it's different, you know, potentially patient by patient or, you know, clinic by clinic. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, looking at all the information that's in the, the EHR, and, and this is probably a bit of a complicated answer. When you're a traditional marketer, you want to know who your target audience is. And you're thinking about in-depth segmentation. That, you know, where do they shop? What do they buy? What do they do on the weekend? What are they doing at five o'clock on a random Tuesday? So you want all of this very specific information so that you can drive behavior. Like that's what marketing does. Whether it's to think about something, buy something, you know, whatever it is. EHR data, we're thinking about it in terms of codes and, and all of you know, the, the clinical information. But it contains a wealth of information that's also demographic. So you have your demographic information and your diagnosis information. You know a lot, the most personal information about these patients. But there's a hesitancy to leverage that information to drive the behavior change that you want. So there is, you know, everyone knows that you're not allowed to use clinical information to market to a patient. Like that's healthcare marketing 101. But why can't you use clinical and demographic information to try to help the patient help themselves by knowing when is the best time to communicate with them to encourage them to take their healthy steps or do their rehab or you know, check their monitoring data or whatever? Why can't we mine the wealth of other information and identify patterns inside the EHR to be able to figure out how to best influence patients to be able to change their behavior to affect their own outcomes as well? Well, it sounds like there's also a fine line between patient education and marketing. Like, how do you walk that walk or... Like 
I don't know. It depends. It's a tough one yeah. because yeah, I, what I get frustrated with is most of the marketing communications coming to me as a healthcare consumer are the surveys, right? Post-visit survey, but there's nothing around keeping me within the network, right? If you go to Disney, yes, you're getting a, a survey as a visitor post your visit, right? But it also has some interesting elements around it, right? Where our, in healthcare, it's been very black and white, boring, right? So, you know, is there something that would be interesting around that survey? Not just bug me for, because I know you need, I know why you need it for the quality measures, but the average patient doesn't understand that. Cynthia, you had a really good example, I think, around um, like pre-surgical kits and communicating with patients. I love that example. So yeah, one of the things that that we've seen with our clients is, yes, ZELF can be used to distribute information like PDFs, videos, et cetera, but we do a lot of automation. So in advance of a visit, what would you, how would you like to engage with the patient in a way that's going to make them want to show up, want to be prepared, want to be on time, you know, all of those things. So we've got a couple that are sending out pre-surgery kits. So I think it's like 14, you know, set, like 10 to 14 days before the appointment, they'll send a box that's got the, you know, the special soap and the instructions on how to, how to take your shower and you know, all the things that you, that you have to do as well as a reminder of when your appointment is and you know, what you have to, like, when are you supposed to stop eating? All of these instructions are contained in a box that arrives at your house that's, got, that's branded as coming from the hospital. So it has you know, two levels. It's got the, you know, the, the patient, patient outcome, patient communication, but there's also marketing. It's saying to the patient, I care about you. I care about your preparation. We care about quality and safety. We care about your experience. That's why we're sending you these things to your home. But you also saved them a trip. And we saved them a trip. And we ensured the, you know, the, the other metric on that is you're, you're actually driving standardization of, of surgery prep across a hospital network. When you have a mixture of urban and rural and suburban facilities, the patients may or may not be getting the same information and the same level of preparation. This standardizes it and makes it automated and makes it easy for everyone. And are there analytics, I'm sure, around that too, around like, are there improvement in, I don't know, behavior or results, outcomes? Are there any measures that you can do with like folks who have gotten those kits versus other methods of, you know, trying to prep them for a surgery? Maybe that's too soon. I think that's early, but that's, that's to an, another point. And I, yeah, I love healthcare. I love my clients, but a baseline, can, can we get a baseline? So there's so much hesitancy around measurement and I don't, I, I don't understand. Maybe it's a level of sophistication the industry has yet to... You know, for, we're just now starting to think about how do we market to patients in a way that is ethical and responsible within all the, all the, the guidelines that keeps them healthy and keeps everybody you know, on, the, on the right side of everything. But how do we then measure the effectiveness of that in terms of communication and quality and outcomes? There's so much potential, but you have to get that baseline. Like, are we afraid to see how terrible it is in the first place? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, there's that, that's a good problem to have, but how do we you know, get more you know, more deliberate about that? One of the things I appreciate, and I'm not into the doctor very often or having, I don't have any surgeries coming up or anything specifically to prep for, but I like it when I'm able to log into my patient portal and they have an action plan for me or just data that is relevant for somebody who's my age and gender and, you know, my history, right? That it's like information that I probably wouldn't have even asked, but is videos and all kinds of other education and communication with me that they must be, obviously they're marketing to me, like they're hoping that I'm going to make a decision 
on taking an action with my care provider, but I do feel more informed. Oh, they're not marketing to you. They're communicating with you. There it's you patient go. Commu- Thank you. Patient communication. <laughs> yeah, I think the, yeah, that, yeah, how do we, how do we find a word that doesn't freak people out around trying to leverage the information we have about a patient to drive positive change from the patient, as well as keep them in the system. Why is that, why is that a bad thing? Yes, we are trying to generate patient loyalty, and it's, it's not just about the business of it. It's because having continuity of care is a good thing. We don't want people to be bouncing around all over the place because it compromises the long-term relationship. Well, that was going to be my next question. What is important about patient loyalty? Like, why does that matter? And you did you kind of just you just touched on it, but I mean it touches on interoperability and change you know transitioning care settings and like if the less you have to do that with the patient, the less information is having to move around and get reconciled. I have an interesting story on that continuity gap, and it wasn't the fault of health systems; it was the fault of. Um, our family moving around a lot for six years. And when my daughter, before my daughter was born in utero, they saw um, a problem with her kidney on an ultrasound. After she was born, I brought her in. They said, she's fine. That was in Seattle. And then I moved across to the East Coast. No continuity of EHR or records. She's 14, 15, starts to have bad abdominal pain. Right? And it took us years to figure out it went back to a renal pelvic wow. <laughs> junction problem, right? Which we, if we would have had a continuity of record and communication, luckily my husband's a physician, so we figured it out, but not everyone has that, that ability at home. Well, I mean, that's very helpful to have a physician at home, but not everybody has that, but even he didn't bring it up, right? Absolutely. So like- I had to remind him and then he started researching and he said, I think it's this. Let's go force doctor to go get an ultrasound. And that's coming from the patient bringing it then to the doctor. So had you not had that, what do you think would have happened? She would have probably um, had an emergency surgery when she was in college because that's when most of this is found. Wow. Wow. Well, it is very important. So can we take a step back? I would like to know, Cynthia, you and I have had an opportunity to talk before, but Chris, you and I haven't. Can we talk about your personal journey a little bit? You are the president of a marketing agency that is very well known. How did you get there? What has your journey been like? A very circuitous path. <laughs> so I started as a semiconductor engineer. Shut, shut up. <laughs> Believe it or not. No way. Yes, I worked for Motorola in the flip phone days to okay. date myself. And then um, I worked for some startups in Seattle. And I started to get more interested in healthcare. My husband quit being an engineer, went to medical school. I got more interested in biotech and Fred Hutch and everything that was out in the Seattle biotech community. And uh, started an agency because I saw that agencies weren't speaking fluent technology. And at first it was very general tech and some healthcare. And then as time went on, I felt it was more important to serve this ecosystem because it actually means something. We're all affected by this. It's not just a gadget or Google Glass, not to call it Google, but right, it's not a a toy. This is really important to everyone and everyone's affected by it. My dad went through multiple myeloma and unfortunately passed away from that. So that whole journey brought me more into healthcare. And so how long have, when did you start? 
Clarity Quest. Yeah, we celebrated our 20th anniversary last year. Congratulations. Yeah, so 21 years. Wow. Um, super growth happening, um, tripled over COVID. I have a fantastic team. And so, yeah, we're really excited at what's to come and really uh, serving an intersection of biotech and health IT because so much of it is coming together. Well, that's a really unique perspective of coming from marketing and storytelling from semiconductors. Like I never would have connected those dots. (laughs) They all go to brand, right? You know, I was at Motorola and Motorola's demise, but they they didn't know how to tell their story and they didn't know how to market, frankly, right? And then Nokia came and Apple came and knew how to do those things and took their market share. So it's really important to be able to clearly tell your story no matter what you are. If it's a super technical product, even more important. Yeah, that's it. And so you tell me about like, okay, you have a technical product. Like how have you guys been telling your story? So I would answer that, but I, can I just build on Chris's Please. background a little bit? So the, I totally get the engineer to marketer because you need to understand how things work. And when, I, when I'm talking to, and I feel like I'm old enough to talk to people who are just coming up in, you know, in, in their careers, I think you really need to understand your technical product. Like there's the, oh, it's just marketing fluff. Like, ooh, no. that one. No, you, as a marketer, you need to know and be able to create the most complicated version of your product overview so that you know what to edit out. And if you don't know the ins and outs and everything about your product, every single detail, for, like for Zelth, it's every, you know, every API, every data feed, every web service call, every HL7 feed, and even that, I'm like, oh, that gets complicated. But you need to understand what everything does and why it does it so that you can understand how to best position it to your client and how to best understand what the different pieces, parts, and functions do to be able to solve the problems that your clients have and that your prospects have so that you know how to, how to tell that story. So I can totally see how Chris could go from an engineer to marketing agency and and the you know the, the clarity quest it, it filters through that organization you can tell that her discipline of understand what you're doing details matter is something you should look for in an agency too well when i think about being able to take a complex idea and being simple and quick and having somebody understand that in a quick manner, that's so sophisticated. It sounds easy, but it is very difficult to do. Feynman in the 1950s was a physics teacher, right? A physics professor. And he said he liked to teach the 101 courses in college because if you could get those students to understand, you really understood the material yourself. I think it's the same thing with healthcare. If you gloss over the details to get to the fun story, to get to the impactful story, people sense it right away. And and the trust filter goes up. Right? Right? Well, it's like, I would have, there's, I don't know who the quote is from of like, I would have, I would have been quicker. Like I wrote this really long letter to you. If I had had more time, it would have been shorter, right? It's just like, it's so easy to go on and on and on, but it's like, how do you get to the meat of something so that somebody understands very quickly, like what is the most impactful and important piece of information that they need to take away. And when we're competing for people's attention and especially patients, that's incredibly important. So back to the question. Yes, around like, well, Zelf, how do you guys tell your story? And it is a very complicated, like, well, you guys are pretty complex in what you're able to do as an organization. So Zelf is one of the most complicated products and solutions. Is it a product? Is it a solution? Is it a service? It's all of these things. Does it serve patients? Does it serve providers? Does it serve payers? Does it serve employers? Yes. 
So with multiple stakeholders that benefit and multiple features, it's a constant filtering game of you know, really understanding the audience that you're talking to. So it's you know, the story has to resonate with that person. So you always start by finding out who they are and what their perspective is and what their challenges are. And then think about which pieces of the Zelf story do I need to tell right then to help them understand how, how there's parts of, parts of what we do that can help make their lives easier. Well, we've talked a bit about talking about getting information to the patient, but what challenges have you helped the providers solve? Providers are time-strapped. I know newsflash, apparently there is a shortage of providers in this country and nurses at the top of the list, and there's no shortage of patients that want FaceTime. And providers are increasingly stressed. It's actually, you, you meet with providers and any of anyone, anyone from a doctor to, you know, doctors, nurses, MAs, they are all really stressed out and grumpy and for good reason because they're expected to see more patients with less staff and less time. So we have, I'd say two years ago, if I said, let's automate something. Let's just, you know, everybody who's coming in for their prenatal visit, let's just automatically send them a maternity bundle of info. There's a downloadable thing, there's a calendar, there's whatever. Like, no, 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 I couldn't possibly do that. I need to make sure that this is exactly what I want to send every time. Like, well, you've done it 300 times this week. Why can't we just automate that? And now they're saying, you know what, can you just automate that for us? Like, do we really have to send this? Can you can you pick out different patients with different conditions and different things happening and, and just take it off of our hands so that we don't have to do anything about it? Well, how do you do quality control on, on that sort of thing? Because I imagine there was a story that stood out to me specifically around maternal health. And it was a couple years ago where it was like, you know what, you may not want to send that exact packet of information to somebody who I was pregnant even a month ago because they may have lost the baby, right? Right. So this is where the automation has to be intelligent and it has to be real time. So there's a set of rules and this is technical, but again, back to the marketers need to understand the technical part. So before something is sent, you're automatically not just saying, is this woman expecting a baby? But you're saying, is she, you know, like, let's check the EHR. Is that is she still classified as, you know, it's like diagnosed. I'm still like, diagnosed as pregnant? Yes. Yes, diagnosed. And has there been an adverse event? No. I mean, it's like most of the automation things that Zelf does, the very first thing, which makes people like, why is this it? It's like, is the patient alive? Right. So there's like a field in the EHR that you check because you don't want to send information about an upcoming surgery to a patient that's not going to be having surgery. Right. So it's it all has to be real time and deliberate. And it's reliant on the level of data and the accuracy of it too. But EHR data is usually pretty accurate. So that's not so much of a problem. Well, what you guys are doing is very sophisticated and impressive. And I imagine that it has changed even since the last time we talked, like just getting more sophisticated and more technological. Are there any like advances or advancements that you can speak to? I think one of the more interesting things is what the attitude is towards storing information in the EHR. So I'd say a couple of years ago, it was, I don't want all the, I don't want all this like, you know, A1C data or blood pressure data or whatever in the EHR. It's just too much stuff and, and I can't do anything with it. Where now we're seeing increased desire to actually write back certain parts of information, pieces of information. So writing it and actually making, you know, bringing more things from third-party vendors. So that indicates to me an increased in trust in the validity of the information that they're receiving from outside and wanting to actually put that as part of the formal patient record. Oh, that's great. So we've had to evolve the product to be able to 
write the right information back in the right field. That's harder than it sounds. What are some of the challenges of that? So if you're going to write back, say, someone's PHQ-9 score, you're going to have a specific place in the EHR it's going to go. And you don't want to accidentally overwrite another field mm-hmm. that is not for the PHQ-9 score because, you know, what you were supposed to put in cell, I'm just metaphorically, imagine it's an Excel sure. spreadsheet and it's like, well, column E, cell 42 is this. Well, they inserted another line. So it's actually not, you know, level, it's not row 42 anymore. It's row 43. You need to know that. So you need to know where to put the information. Wow. Yeah. Like, well, and the consequences of not getting that right could be significant. Right. That's right. So that's yeah. why it's that's why it's such a it's been an interesting development but one that adds increased complexity. Yeah. I have a final question. It's been really fun to ask people and it is not at all related to your organizations. It is what would 8-year-old Cynthia think of what you do right now for a living? Would 8-year-old Cynthia have any clue what you do? 8-year-old Cynthia would think that I spend a lot of time on the phone and on the computer. She would think that I travel a lot and that I must be going out and, and yeah, have it, that I've got lots of friends because I'm very popular because I'm always going to all these parties and conferences. So I must, that must be it because they must be birthday parties or something. That must be what I'm doing. That's probably what, that's probably what she would think. Do you think eight-year-old Cynthia would be proud of what, where you are? I hope so. I hope she would be. Okay. What about you? Eight-year-old Chris? Eight-year-old Chris would love having girl boss. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and I'm doing something at the intersection of being creative and being technical because I always was even then. Right. So and, and I'm having fun. Good. So she would love I'm having fun and meeting wonderful people like you and Cynthia. That's fantastic. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I want to be able to uh, direct listeners to get in touch with you. So where would you direct them, Chris? Yes, they can find more information at clarityqst.com or on every social channel. Okay. Yes, you can find information on Zelf at Zelf, which is X-E-A-L-T-H dot com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for sharing your stories and your expertise with me and our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.